The year is 1999. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Reading Club and Podcast, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. This is 1999 Part 2. Reading through the Marvel Universe, you can find all the comics we're reading listed in the show notes. And of course, we'll talk about them and mention them here on the show. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I was dreaming when I wrote this. Forgive me if it goes astray. I'm joined today by two incredible co-hosts. Two incredible co-hosts that I would never say a bad word against, that I would never, I would certainly never prepare a bad word against. Uh, I've got on one end of the line, she has the brain waves of her other co-host and the metallic body of an adamantium robot. It's Charlotte Fierro. How's it going, Charlotte? Hi, very glad to be here. Um, yeah, we don't talk often about like the the original host of my Marvels here, which was uh, an android robot. Uh, he Syn- died like synthesoid. before the beginning of the podcast. Uh, yeah, synthesoid. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that that wasn't very PC. Um, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I I am hosting the both both this podcast and the the. The body of uh, the previous host. Um, yeah, very glad, uh, very glad to be here. We are glad you're here as well. And then, of course, on the other line, he... Let me see if I can get this right. His dad is also mm-hmm. his son mm-hmm. and their brothers, and they're married to the Wasp. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Oh, it's pretty good. Th- thank you for doing that one and not... Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in a sci-fi chair wearing a hot tuna tank top, because that's where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just... That's standard, right? Yeah. I, I did... You know, I, I often think, oh, we should throw these on YouTube. We'd, we'd grow our audience and such. But that would mean exposing sci-fi chair hot tuna tank tops uh, weekly, right? And I don't know if the world is ready for that. I think the world needs that, frankly. Here's the thing. Rick <laughs> Jones is a, is hard to, like... It's hard to say, like, oh, this is what Rick Jones looks like, like his model. You know what I mean? He's kind of just like a generic white man with brown hair, right? Like, he's a very standard. I think you mean a very cool yeah. guy. I did mean I did mean that. unique features, but okay. Uh, but the, <laughs> the cover of Avengers one or Forever number 1, where he is wearing a hot tuna tank top, the 1960s blues band, <laughs> uh, <laughs> made me immediately go, oh, that's Rick Jones. Like without any other context, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. this, uh, you didn't need any other details. Yeah. I I do think ever since Vision sex pranks, um, people have kind of wondered like about the best pranks on my marvelous year, mm-hmm. and I think suckering Uzak into a full on Rick Jones hype story might be the greatest mm-hmm. prank I've ever pulled. Like I was Keep so happening. excited yeah. rereading Avengers Forever. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much Rick Jones in this. I'd completely forgotten how RJ heavy it was. 
and how much you were going to just lose your mind over that. It <laughs> was it's, delightful. It, okay. Not to, ju- we're just jumping right in. It, it's like the, the Poochie episode of The Simpsons, when it's like, Homer's like, <laughs> here's the character of Poochie. Whenever Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie? Like, <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> like, what? everyone loves the guy, and he's around so much. I mean, of course, like... I understand why Busiek uses him so much, because Busiek is very into Avengers lore, right? Like, this comic especially is such, like, a tapping into the uh, the history of Avengers, and Rick Jones is, you know, such a big part of that. So, it makes I mean, sense. He, Rick he's Jones... the embodiment of Avengers lore. Like, yes. that should yes. be his title. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's him, and then it's, like, Vision's origin. Those are the two, like, weird cornerstones of... Uh, of Avengers lore, weirdly enough. Which yeah. which Busiek connects here <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that it's all tethered by some sort of strange umbilical cord to Rick Jones. I have right? Like Oh yeah, yeah, please. Sorry. No, no, that I mean that's, that's not where we're going. So okay, so let's back up. Wait, wait, so before the before we continue into the actual uh, review proper, I just had an announcement. Uh MMY update that's really exciting. Uh and Nascenti's Daredevil comics just got fleshed oh, no. out Sorry. on Dare- uh, Marvel Unlimited. Nice. Yeah, and like they just filled. And the Senti DD finally updated. Yeah, we just complained about that coming. so much. So, um, yeah. worth pointing out this week yeah, think, they added a ton of Daredevil. To us, definitely. Yeah. Hmm? yeah, I think it's thanks to us. Oh, definitely. yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there is definitely uh, pressure from obviously us, but also like just folks who are online and like comics to update the Daredevil run of Anacenti. Yeah. Like, it's, it honestly, and also, it's like, it's not, like, like, Chip Zdarsky talks about the run all the time. Yeah. Like, he loves the Anacenti run. Yeah. Like, you've got the literal current Daredevil writing. It gets referenced uh, run that people can't read. these comics, specifically. Did you pick up on uh-huh. that? Oh, no, the uh, the Ultron uh-huh. Avengers comics. Um, yeah, which is surprising. Yeah. And makes fun of them, cut, so like, I was not, uh, <laughs> maybe makes fun yeah, of them. that's common. I don't know. That's common. Yeah. You know what's still not updated? Is uh, Louis Simonson X Factor because I I just went oh, back weird. to read the Judgment War, yeah, which is issues forty three to forty eight, where the X Men go up against the Celestials, or where X Factor goes up against the Celestials. Still not there. Hmm. The Simonson slander continues. Marvel Unlimited is as guilty as anyone. <laughs> um, but that that I would say is the next big run that is empty. Although apparently there's a new one, and I haven't verified this myself, but I saw in the My Marvelous Year Slack Zach. That uh, the Masters of Kung Fu was being removed. Yeah, I just saw that from people in the Slack. I haven't verified myself, but I'm sure it's true. Um, Yeah, that's strange. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I believe anything I hear in our Slack. Yeah, it's true. And like, I'm I'm only maybe ten percent joking. (laughs) Like I I really do. (laughs) I I have been led astray before. I can't remember what it it was. Some like MCU news that I actually like parroted on this show a few times, and then it was like that made, made a fool. It was that uh, Loki and Sylvie were going to be in Doctor Strange, uh, mul- the mad- Multiverse oh, yeah. of Madness. Uh, I had like heard yeah. that in the Slack a bunch. People being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they're casting it for sure. And then I think I repeated it on the show and it was not true. You got chumped like wow. a lump. Fake news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that is on you. For not ver- for not checking know, your facts, frankly. Yeah. yeah, that is on you for not watching Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness before you talked about it. <laughs> I wrote my review in like February. I know that was yeah, yeah Dave, that's true. <laughs> Dave did, uh, and you like, could have seen you, there. Did you mention Loki and Sylvie in that review? I did not, and that would have been a good wow. clue that they were not in it. Yeah, hmm. that would have been a very good clue. Fake news. Thank you, thank you. Um, okay, so let's talk about comics. Comics we're going to talk about today. We got Avengers Forever 
issues one to three. We got Avengers number 19 to number 22. This is Ultron Unlimited, one of my favorite arcs of the Busiak and George Perez era of Avengers. We got Black Widow one to three a 1999 Marvel Knights miniseries, and the list should have stopped there. Just let me be clear. The list (laughs) should have stopped right there, but it doesn't. I also added Incredible Hulk number 472 to 474. Can I give a little uh, preview of this episode? Just just to like, what's the word? Uh, Tease it out. Tease it out out as if it was edited, you know, as if like this was Mm -hmm. said later (laughs) and now it's spliced in. Incredible Hulk is my favorite out of these these comics. <laughs> wow. I'm not kidding. I mean, <laughs> I th- I think I really can't say I fully disagree with that. So we'll we'll, we'll get into wow. it. Wow, what? Mm-hmm. It, that, what it, that's not a slam on the other comics uh, necessarily, but it is like I really liked those Hulk comics. I thought they were really fun and interesting. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, good, good. Yeah, I'm, I all was right. Like, let's oh, talk I'm glad about Dave. Put this in. Uh, it's really interesting. Well, that's good. That makes me that yeah. makes me feel a little better because reading them, I was like, "Why did I put these in?" <laughs> okay, well, good. Thank you for me. Um, so, all right, Avengers Forever is the first thing we're going to read now. In the original incarnation of my Marvelous Year, which I put together barehanded, did it myself. Weeks of work, months of work, hand built, right? Mm-hmm. Hand carved. I have the. I still have the calluses to show from putting this my Marvelous Year list together. People don't realize that. Um, I lost friends. <laughs> I, lost, <laughs> well, I believe lost that. a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's easy to believe. Um, but in the original list, in Avengers Forever, I put issues 1 to 12. It is a 12-issue maxi-series. This is Kurt Busiak and Carlos Pacheco's love letter to the Avengers. I decided we're not going to read all 12 issues for the club this year. Mostly, that was... It's a combination of two things. The first... Um, that felt like too much. Just content-wise, that just felt like too much. Yep. It felt like we'd have to do our own issue just for that. Mm-hmm. And the second part of it was, in my memory... I did not want to do that. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I don't Something's want to read me. all 12 of these. I bet we can read the start of it, get a feel for it. People that love it can go on, and those that don't can move on, right? That that felt like the fairest approach. So we include the first three issues, but it is, of course, a 12-issue maxi series. It is one story. And like I said, it is this is Avengers continuity heaven, if you like that. It is Avengers continuity hell, if you don't. I had such a fun time focusing on the Kang and Immortus and timey-wimey shenanigans and timekeepers of these first three issues uh, way more than I expected. Charlotte and Zach, I'm curious, what were your Avengers Forever first takes? I'm guessing maybe both of you hadn't read this before, but I don't know. No, Mm -mm. Yeah, never. I had never read this before. Like Dave, you said that this was either uh, Avengers Continuity, Hell or Heaven. Very much purgatory for me. Like it, <laughs> okay. it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe where I'd put it too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. It does some stuff with, with like bringing it, bringing bringing in Avengers from different times. Um, most of the characters they bring in, they don't do that much with them. At least not in the three first three issues. Like Hawkeye is there technically. Songbird is there technically. Um, I'll say. But, I mean, uh, it, so just, just to interrupt your point there, I, I did. <laughs> this is the rare comic that I didn't quite like enough to want to keep reading, but I did like enough that I wanted to hear what happened. So I did just read the entire yeah. Wikipedia oh, okay. page after this. Okay. It, it was like right in that, like if this was just a little easier to read, I'd want to keep going because like I'm I'm somewhat interested in where this is going, but it's really dense and uh, and like. The juice yeah. is not worth the squeeze to me, basically. Um, 
and uh, and I write ahead. They get into some reasons like why this specific team is here okay. that that are kind of interesting. So like I just I just wanted to say like he well and yeah, let's yeah. and let's yeah. clarify exactly what that is. So this uh, it's kind of a king versus mortis war. At least the premise that starts off now king the conqueror. We all will know as a longtime Avengers villain. He's timey timey wimey right. Immortus is his older self. King the Conqueror, at least the way Marvel continuity had worked, was like eventually he ages up and becomes Immortus. But because they exist at different periods in time and because they travel through time so regularly, they're very much at odds. They want different things. And it's it's spelled out very clearly. Like Immortus is like, I have to protect the timelines. Kang is like, I just want to conquer. Like literally that's his deal. <laughs> so, um, so they're at odds and Kang puts together... You know, they, they put together an Avengers squad, and all the Avengers that are in this comic, they're picked from different eras of Avengers continuity. So that's how Busiak gets to have lots of fun with Avengers lore, is they pick a Captain America right after Secret Empire, and kind of his loss of faith in, in institutions. Ring any bells, anyone, mm-hmm. in 2022? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get Songbird, which is a character Busiak was writing in, in Thunderbolts at the time, but it, this is like a future version of the character where she's gone on to become an Avenger. You get two different versions of Hank Pym, which is a wild choice. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is definitely the weirdest possible choice is you get sad giant man Hank Pym and crazy yellow jacket Hank Pym. Well, there's at one point um, where like one of them goes uh like Janet wants to I don't know. There, there's some avenging that needs to be done and yellow jacket like pushes her side and he's like, "Make way, Janet. This is man work." And I was like, "Oh, this is the era of Hank Pym." Like I I didn't quite connect it until then i was like oh we're in that specific era (laughs) this is trial of yellow jacket era yeah yellow jacket aka he hit his wife you know can can we talk about camp on that for a second the um (laughs) i know i'd rather not (laughs) well the the thing about (laughs) about him is like i don't know there's two sides which is like people are like i never want to hear from hank pym again i don't care about this character and i think he should just be like shuffled away yeah basically yeah or the like I guess there's not a camp who's just like, I can't wait to see them together again. But uh, I guess the camp is me who's like, if they got back together, I'm fine with it, you know, in the right context. And, you know, there's some like, there's a road to redemption for him and Janet forgiving him that I can see. And that's fine. Like, I don't think that's out of the question, especially in comics that, you know, go for so long. But the way that Busiak is doing it here. Uh, did get under my skin, like where Janet has this long monologue about like, I've read all the books and they say, you know, I'm the victim. It's not my fault, but I did drive him to like this, to hitting me, you know, like that kind of stuff really, that rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, I I hate to tell you, I think they've been back together for like a few years Which is fine, (laughs) you know, like I'm okay with the whatever. Like there's, there's, like I said, there's writing that could do that fine and like people can forgive each other and people can you know move on and that's fine i just i didn't like the the tone of like her being like you know i, well, and I, I think that's a good yeah, point some to your to your idea that redemption is a storytelling possibility because obviously it is but it's also like okay but avengers forever is a good example of why it's not in so many hands mm-hmm. right and yeah. why certain creators are not well equipped to handle that i agree i think it reads very very badly um in that particular dynamic, which is a piece of this. But yeah, so like that's, you know, you have a Wasp who's like an Avengers leader at this point. You have uh, a Hawkeye who is in his post Kree scroll war, like hanging out in the West phase. And am I miss- oh, and a Janice Vell who is, we haven't dealt with Janice Vell yet, I don't think. Um, he is the son of the original Captain Marvel. 
and we'll read some of his stories mm. coming up here in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, but suffice to say, oh, and then of course, not plucked out of time, but the core central character of this entire narrative <laughs> is Rick Jones. And the reason Rick is that the center of Avengers Forever is like like we said at the front of this, he is connected to Avengers, like he is walking Avengers lore, right? He has he has been partners with Cap, with Hulk, with Captain Marvel. Um, he also, as Busiak recalls here very clearly and prominently, like had crazy superpowers in the Kree Scroll War mm-hmm. <laughs> like to like this, summon you know, Golden this... Age heroes forth. Yeah, he summoned Roy Thomas's favorite Golden Age heroes <laughs> through his being. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a wild thing that like rarely gets talked about but busiak really he's like hey that was big and we should do something with that and he's not wrong he's not wrong so i think a lot of the concepts and the impulses and the ideas in avengers forever are quite clever and um and very good zach i agree with your general just sort of as a read critique which is holy cow this is dense Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very is, 70s. It's one of the like, denser books you can read. It's incredibly 70s in the way that yeah. he like tells the story. It's a lot of telling and like exposition of characters just speaking about everything that's happening to each other. Like I think Busiek like is is like walking a line here of like like I'm I'm interested in like what he's writing. I kind of like the the feel of like the world he's playing in and like the characters he's deciding to play with even though like it is a little bit like you know uh just like obsessed with the past um and like just doing that and i kind of wish he would just be building something like fresh instead um but it's got it's just all that writing like and it's all that writing being like pretty like so often i'm just reading those narration boxes and i'm like this this entire paragraph is totally unnecessary like i don't need to know the history of the pharmaceutical company that this scene is cutting to like it's so so uh overwrought um Okay, here, here's the thing where I landed on this comic. It, th- I think this is a pretty good comic. It's kind of like, and I, I don't say this very often because I'm not uh, a humble man, but it's just not for me. <laughs> um, this, this is a real comic that I would stick in the category of like, I have the complaints about like the overwriting, but like they're not so egregious that it ruins the experience. But I'll just say like where it's, what it's talking about, the like, the, you know, obsession with the Avengers lore stuff, like really just being like, put on a platform and sometimes i really like that stuff but here i just mostly was like okay i don't i don't know i don't really care about i don't care about amortis and kang they have like never grabbed me and this didn't change my mind and that is such a that is so weird to me given their mcu connections because i am so much more fascinated Mm. in kang and amortis post loki yeah because like there's charlotte i want to throw to you before i go into my whole spiel but like this is mcu heavy in ways I was not yeah. remembering. Uh, Charlotte, what did, what did you think? Were, were there elements you connected to more? I'm, I'm, I agree that it like I was curious because of the the MCU elements of it all, like the the timekeepers, Kang and Immortus, all that stuff. But like, I'm interested in that in the MCU because they can streamline it, and I'm. It's hard for me to really get into it in the comics because it's always I always feel like I'm missing. 30 issues of explanation <laughs> as to what's going on exactly between King and Immortus. And mm. I, I th- especially Immortus here. I do think they make King fun and interesting here, which is like, he has kind of that craven thing or, of he lives for the thrill of the fight and the conquering and finding a worthy opponent. And that's really fun, especially on the, the cosmic level of pl- him conquering different timelines and all that. Like, 
Craven elevated to, to cosmic level. That's kind of fun. And I, I like that aspect of it that is kind of present here, and especially with the Avengers having to ally themselves with him. But the like the specifics of uh, Immortals versus Kang and the the fate of Rick Jones deciding the fate of the universe that's that's hard for me to get really interested by that. Even though I will say that the like the comic opens on a like a scene from the future in which the Avengers are like an army in the service of a like space empire which is yeah. run by i think the descendants of rick jones something like it's that. like rickard like that's... john's rickard <laughs> yeah john's, john's rickard yeah. something yeah. like that and yeah that like that's an interesting way to start the comic and that's like kind of mysterious as to how do we get here exactly what's mm-hmm. what's gonna happen yeah. and like that's a good way of making rick jones like <laughs> maybe not interesting but like I'm I'm invested in what's going on with him just because I want to know how we get there. Um, but we, we like because we don't quite get there in those first three issues. Like that didn't reach uh, the point I wanted it to reach uh, for me yet. Uh, I think but that I, stuff. I, think I would be curious in like reading the rest of the comic because I do think that that would be a, a fuller experience and I'd be able to judge it like more fairly. I I do think I agree when that stuff. I think the first issue is really great actually. Yeah. Um, and I think it's be, in part it's because that is the issue that is less about celebrating Avengers continuity and more about taking those seeds and sort of projecting new ideas and new yeah. potentialities of what they could be. You know, all that future timeline Rick Jones stuff and the way the you'd have armies of Iron Men and Captain Americas and Thors and stuff like that. Like that stuff's fun to me as sort of alternate future shenanigans. Um, I, I'm super hooked on the timekeepers Immortus Kang stuff. I think yeah. partially it's the MCU of it all, but also like Busiek writes a really fun Kang. Um Kang pulling out his blaster. Maybe this is later in the comic. No, it's that first um, issue where he's and, like and telling the timekeepers I'll see you in hell. Oh, okay. You no, know yeah, that, like good. stuff like that where it's like he feels more like uh like Schwarzenegger in the eighties than than the King the Conqueror I'm familiar with. I like that spin on the character who yeah. I I think, you know, I've I've often agreed with you, Zach, in the sense of, like, I don't know that I care that much about Kang specifically. I like the ideas and the stuff you can do around him. You know, like the Council of Crosstime Kangs and um, just the, the fact that he is this, this very difficult villain. I think Busiak imbues some life into this character in fun ways. I think having the inevitability of Immortus hanging over him and having them at odds with each other is very fun. The Timekeepers, I mean, we have to talk about this. That is a incredibly deep cut continuity pull. And I only know this because of Loki. Um, but it's like they come in like two issues of a Thor series from the late 70s. Like like these are two issues that nobody was talking about in 1999. Yeah. And Busey like, yeah, timekeepers, major players. his nerd cred <laughs> by bringing them in. I, I, like, oh, huge. I don't know anything time. about the guy and I, I don't want to besmirch him. But like sometimes this like adherence to the... Uh, the deep lore of stuff does come across as the like the smartest guy in the comic book shop <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, like, on the page, like I, the man, I'm sure is perfectly lovely. Uh, but you know, like that, like as a as a tone for a comic, uh, sometimes it feels like very much. Like... I mean, it's a, I think it's a fine line to walk, but it to me it can also be kind of endearing. No, me, like... me too. I, 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 a lot of times I like all yeah. that, like those weird pulls. So like it, it's it's just yeah. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't for me. 
Um, and the, I do think there's having being work the writer better when you're in the know, like yeah, when you know sure. what's being referenced. Yes. I, I mean, I knew most yes. of this. Like we've read yeah. the majority of the big, you know, the big beats here. Um, well, and that's what I'm saying. Reading this again, I think when I read it the first time, you know, I had not, I had not gone through the My Marvelous Year experience, so I don't know that all the references would have connected mm. the way that they definitely do now. Now, sometimes that's a thrill, like I said with the Timekeepers, where it's like, wow, he pulled that from that weird Thor story. Um, sometimes it doesn't. And I think like the Cap stuff, like post-Secret Empire. I'm like, yeah, I know that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, some elements, you know, just like, oh, here's Sad Giant Man, like don't necessarily have a lot of power, <laughs> you know, in terms of reference points. Yeah. Um, but the Yellow Jacket stuff, certainly. I was like, oh, yeah, and I, knew I, the, I know you what know, you're like pulling the from. Sad Captain America, right? We read like him watching... The president kill himself in front of Captain America led him to, like, quit being Captain America and then find himself again. And, like, this is right before he left being Captain America. So he's totally doubting himself. It's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, that was a, a good touch point to being like, oh, I know what part of the character's history this is. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. In, interesting. And again, interesting enough, I was like, well, I, I don't want to read the next 12 issues. It, there's just a lot here. And it takes so long to get through. And, like, that, that's not... Like, that's not the critique. It's not just that it gets lo takes long to get through, but it takes long to get through. And I feel like it's not, for me, the reading is not time well spent. Like, because it's, it's a lot of text that I am, like, I'm, like, kind of interested in. But he's got good ideas. Like, I like the uh, the armies of the past uh, being used as, like, Amortis brings in these army of the ages. And it's just this mixture of different armies from across, you know, all of human history. <clears throat> it's just unlimited well, armies. Well, and we're leaving out that, Carlos Pacheco does a really nice oh, job yeah, selling the action of it because the action is yeah. massive. That that's the through line of this uh, this entire batch of comics. I think it's like great art uh, across the board. Like all four comics that we talk about have really good art. Yeah, but yeah, Pacheco is uh, is really good. Um, is he is he known for anything else after this? It seems like he, oh yeah, he'll he'll go on to do. He I think he's still still Age of Ultron. Yeah. yeah, I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, it was good good art. That was that was a real like high point of this too. Good art. Yeah. Good review. I, it's very it's <laughs> like, agree. Because it's, it's an interesting comic, but it's not like, it's definitely not one of my favorites, even Avengers comic, even though like we haven't read a lot of Avengers comics we, we've loved. Um, but like, that's, that's a big name, Avengers Forever. Like, I, I know that at least, because I know people thought Avengers Endgame was going to be called Avengers Forever. And, like, right. there's a new Avengers Forever series that is kind of ending Jason Aaron's current run, I think. Something like that. It's like a, a reimagining yeah. of that kind of idea. Um, you know, I actually yeah. I actually went and checked that out. And yeah. um, and I'm, I'm very out on Jason Aaron's Avengers. I like yeah. a lot of what <laughs> Jason Aaron has done throughout his career. I do not like his Avengers run currently. Um, that Avengers Forever made me really appreciate Busiak's. Um, I was, you know, I was like, like yep. Busiak and Pacheco did a better job. And I, I think the critiques are valid in terms of like, this is a very Wikipedia summary friendly comic. Like I don't, I wouldn't necessarily, like a lot, a lot of times if somebody was like, you know, oh, rather than read this run that you like, I'd rather read the, read the Wikipedia summary or have a YouTube video. Tell me it. I'm like, that is horrible. You are the greatest sinner among Fake sinners. Fake fan. You shouldn't be allowed in the comic <laughs> No, no, shop. no. Not even in a gatekeepy way. It's just like, no, that's I not know. the way no. to enjoy this. I like, that is, that is diminishing the value of art, and, uh, and you should be placed in a, in a prison. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but with Avengers Forever, I get it. I get the impulse. <laughs> it is not a fun read 
in terms of the execution, in terms of the density of it, at times. Yeah. yeah. At times, I very much agree with that. But at other times, it's a blast. And especially, and it is, it is like, if you want to be rewarded for having done your nerd comics homework, Avengers Forever is here to reward you. And, you know, that that can be really thrilling when you're doing things like My Marvelous Year, where you're investing a ton of time reading through the history of Marvel Comics, you know? Yeah. Like, I like continuity that pays off. I like creators doing big things with continuity you didn't expect to intersect, you know? I didn't expect the Kree Scroll War Rick Jones stuff to intersect with a King and a Mortis thread that that sets them up for some future stories and things like that, you know? Um that's a fun element that you can do in comics that you can't do in most other stuff. You know, like most media just doesn't run for 40 straight years and have a density that you can tie together. So does it make a light read? Absolutely not. Is there, I, I think to Charlotte's earlier point about like how the MCU could streamline these ideas, it is ripe for that. It is ripe yeah. for streamlining and picking and choosing, which, oh, by the way, they're already doing. Like I was, I was, not blown away because I knew like it referenced this, but I was surprised by how much it references this and and Loki how specifically, specifically yeah. Yeah. Loki specifically, how the timekeeper's thread of like, you know, keeping the keeping the timeline separate and ordered and controlled and Kang's desire to sort of just mash them all up and conquer them all. Like that's what the MCU is doing right now. You know, it is doing Avengers forever. It's just not so, you know, told the same way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was I had a really fun time. It's funny because I, back to I these remember first issues. Uh, when we read the Celestial Madonna saga, which yeah. I think is pretty equally like wrapped up in old continuity and like recontextualizing continuity, like retelling and recontextualizing all this like For lore sure. that had come before. I remember I was pretty hot on it, and you were kind of down on it. <laughs> you were like, I don't know, I'd rather just go read these comics, and they just are like. It's just telling me what happened before, and then, like, yeah. So I remember... I think the Celestial Madonna saga... First off, I like the I like the continuity stuff it does in terms of the Golden Age, Human Torch, and the Vision, mm -hmm. and all that. I think that's pretty clever. Um, the way it's told, I just find baffling and confusing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I've never understood the Celestial Madonna saga, despite its importance. Uh, I don't find Avengers Forever that confusing anymore. I think I did the first time I read it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, we're we're kind of but, have the exact same opinion, but the opposite for the, those comics. I, I had yeah. a lot of fun with but, those. I remember. But do you think you'd still like it as much if there wasn't the the Loki MCU of it all? Like if if That's you hadn't if you didn't have that in the back of your mind reading this, would you still enjoy them at much as much? <sighs> probably not. Yeah. Realistically, probably not because like I don't. I don't all think right, if I, now if I, I got to edit thinking... them all out. Invalidated. Everything he said is invalid. Uh, sorry, I'm going <laughs> to no, cut, no, cut no, 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 no. I think what no, what Loki. <laughs> you got to stop cutting all my audio out of the podcast. <laughs> it is making for a very confusing listening experience. Um, what I did, you know, because of Loki, what I did was I read this through a King perspective, um, yeah. right? And like that's the thing about rereading is a lot of times you know I'll hone in on okay, what are the characters or what are the elements that are grabbing me? You know, I talked about this last time. Um, which is a, you know, a polite way of saying, like, I'm not reading all the Hank Pym's thought balloons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, stuff yeah. like that. Like, I'm just not wasting my yeah, time. Yeah, there's two, two Hank Pym's, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Double the Hank doing. Pym thought balloons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so focusing on the King and Immortal stuff, yes, it was a, it was a much funner, more enjoyable experience. Um, and I 
don't expect I would have been doing that if Kang was not the central big bad of the MCU right now. But that is yeah. that is the reality, and that is where things are going. And through that lens, I think it's a very compelling read. Um, yeah. Not, and I don't know. It is. It's interesting. It is like it's it's an Ouroboros, right? Because it's like Loki pulls from this, pulls from the comic, but then in reading the comic, I'm thinking about the possibility of the MCU. You know, and it's kind of, it just becomes that thing of, like, it's all feeding in on itself. But I, I actually, I mean, that's an experience I like. That's the thing about the MCU I like, is that it can give comics that I would otherwise not be as invested in some more life. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And give them some legs. Um, And I actually think that's really true right now for this Busiak Avengers era. Like, full stop. Like, I, when I think about the MCU and the creators that it's pulling from, okay, I think historically it's been, obviously, Stan Jack. Uh, Steve, right? Um, but it's like, okay, it's the Mark Miller, Brian Hitch Ultimates. It's um, some Stalin. Jonathan Hickman stuff and Jim Starlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those are the three tentpole creators. But I think the piece that I've missed, and maybe maybe it's new, maybe it's not as new, is Busiak's number four on that list. Like, like Busiak is, to my mind, now number four in terms of creators that the MC was pulling heavily from. Um, oh, yeah. that... And I'm really interested in that. Wait, like... <clears throat> based off this based off of avengers forever for sure uh-huh. and then i also think i mean thunderbolts is coming uh-huh. that is a busiak bagley co-creation yeah. um i think his avengers run is is more important than we're expecting and more likely to be and, and the ultron stuff that we're going to talk about in a second yeah I that's feel like the second the, avengers yeah movie. yeah yeah okay yeah i feel sure. like ultron has never been this close to mcu version yet yeah uh, I, I guess, yeah, I, I'll i come back in three years and uh, maybe I'll agree with you. It, feel, it feels maybe a little preemptive uh, for that. Well, that's because I'm I'm precognitive, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it takes true, three years true. for everyone no, else to No, you're probably up. right. I like I do agree. Like, I think I think you're right uh, in that. I just, uh, it's it's a lot of stuff that's to come and we haven't seen it yet, but. Charlotte, I would like you to please splice out this audio of the part where <laughs> Zach confirms that I am precognitive. <laughs> that, was, that was very exciting for I'll, me. Uh, I'll send you the, the file after I'm done editing it, Charlotte, and you can... Thank you. <laughs> it's yep. just going to be... And then, and then, Charlotte, you send it to Dave. He'll get rid of what he doesn't like, and uh, we'll have a five-minute yep. episode. <laughs> no, yep. We're all getting along perfectly Perfect. well. Um, okay, yeah. any final Avengers Forever thoughts? I mean, I it, the reason we're talking about it a ton is like it is... It's a huge series. It is referential. Like yeah, Charlotte said, sure. just on name and kind of legacy yeah. alone, it probably feels bigger. Because I, I think the reality is, like, this is for Avengers heads. Like, there is a n- fairly niche-targeted audience here of, you, you kind of have to be a giant fan of Avengers continuity. Giant fan. Probably. Hmm, that's an interesting idea for a character. You've that, heard of that giant sounds like a, now. That definitely sounds like the Mark Millar, um, Frank Whiteley, uh, The Authority run. With the giant person that gets his legs blown off, they should have just called him Giant Fan. I just think they need to represent me, the comic book fan, in the comics more often. Um, yeah, so I think the way to do that <laughs> you is the to comic give book Rick fan? Jones a bunch of pin particles, and now he's Giant Fan, and I think that's a pretty good <laughs> representation of that. Rick Jones, the Giant Fan. Yeah, <clears throat> into it. Oh yeah, into it. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, enough I... Busiak Avengers. Let's talk about the next comic. Oh well. <laughs> I had one last oh, thing, please. but I was fine. making it. No, I was just making a joke. Hit it. We're talking Hit more. It, Charles. Let's yeah. hear it. No, just the, the last thing I want to say is, um, like, I think the most of this I'm just gonna mix in my head. Like, if you ask me in two months, all of this will be completely mixed in my head with the previous Kang stuff we've read, even the Chris Cole War, all that stuff. But specifically, like, I keep coming back in my head to the like the first scene of the future with the like 
future Avengers army and like worlds being conquered by Avengers. And like without spoiling anything, that's like very irrelevant to Hickman stuff in the 2010s. Like yeah. there, there are specific visuals of like an Avengers logo in like metallic parts in an alien planet. That's very Hickman. Like the concept of an Avengers world, the future of the Avengers. That's that. Those are very fun ideas mm. to me. And yeah, I think like that's what at least those first three issues are missing to me, which is the new stuff, an interesting like new central points and like that Avengers legacy, Avengers world, Avengers future is a very cool idea to me. And I don't know if Busiak does anything more with that, but I'd be curious if he does. And like, that's, I feel like Hickman has to have been inspired by that in parts. Cause that's, that's a very Hickman visual, at least that, uh, that first sequence. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's pretty influential. Um, yeah. it's a comic worth checking out. I, I think yeah. again, like at I would least say, read the Wikipedia page, read like the first issue. Yeah. No, Zach, no more Wikipedia <laughs> references. Uh, no, he, I mean, I don't do that very often, but, like, I, I would rather do that. I mean, I'm not going to do that instead of giving a comic a shot, right? Like, I'd always give the comic a shot first. Uh, but where I got this, where I read three, and then I was like, well, I don't want to read the rest, and I don't have to for the show. But I am curious what happened. You know what you you know yeah. what you should read the Wikipedia for is the back half of Sandman. Because you've oh, been God, trying to shut up. that for <laughs> ever since the podcast. People, people give me such a hard time. The entirety of that Netflix show has been produced in the meantime that you have stopped. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's literally, we I don't... think it's like 12 issues. It's not <laughs> the back true. half. It's just the like the last arc yeah. and a half, something like that. Yeah. Because uh, I've even yeah, yeah. cracked, there's three mainline um, absolute editions and there's a fourth one with some side stuff. But I've like I've read some of the third one. So I'm like, I'm in the home stretch. I just keep... Uh, Falling off Bonkers. right before the final, the end of it. Have you, have either of you watched that? And do you like it? No, I haven't watched it because I want to read the comics first, which I haven't yet. Oh, Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. We know, we, we maybe do for a Sandman bonus episode Oof. one of these days. Yep. That sounds like a good uh, a good Patreon because I have not watched a single minute of it, and I'm very excited to. I'm I'm not yeah. excited to. It looks it looks very. I wasn't. Mediocre I wasn't. And then the critical reception was fantastic. What? Uh, we, we are we are every, different places. The critical reception to me has been well, yeah, like, I'm yeah, online like and you're not, uh, which is uh, immediate turn. No, you that's gotta not stop the just critical reading reception. Your... That's that's just your thoughts on it, that's, Zach. <laughs> Zach, you read nothing but the San Diego the critical reception. Yeah, I have uh, Metacritic dot which is a site I run, yep. and then I input what I think uh, things should get as a score before you write them. your own critique, and then I go and read the, them, and I go, the oh wow, this isn't getting a good review at all. It is amazing on metacritic.zach.com how literally every show just says boring, mm-hmm. just says too boring. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm a season, <laughs> I expected some diversity of review there. Better but Call Saul, which is pretty good. Uh, that is not too so boring. Watching, that would be one that, that is not too boring. And, yes, uh, yeah, very weird show. Uh, we spent, I think we just had a variant where Charlotte and I praised the bear up and down. Uh, I like I liked some TV. I just don't like a lot of TV. A lot of TV is boring. Gosh. You're like you're like the, the restaurant critic in Ratatouille. Mm, except just that like, you were talking television and not like perfectly fine cuisine food. Like the I just TV's think whenever a rat makes your food, you're kind of a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the solution. We need a rat to you make know, TV shows. You know what? We need more people. Exactly. Just love saying, them. Netflix puts out great stuff all the time. I think that's the the stance that uh, like we're we're missing yep. in the world is a, a defender of Netflix shows. They they definitely don't. I think they've been they've you know what it probably even more than Netflix right now is is an HBO Max defender like 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 defending their strategy maybe maybe for the next variant cover. So that's me. Um, 
I think for the variant cover, maybe we can each assign us a streaming service. One stolen <laughs> streaming service we have to defend, and uh, and we can go from there. I'll take right. Mubi. Uh, I think that will be pretentious enough for me. <laughs> I would like Quibi. I'd like Quibi, please. I was going to say I'll take OnlyFans. I don't think that counts as streaming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stream. I've been having an idea, uh, batting around my head for a, a podcast idea for a little bit, and it's to do a um, a Quibi podcast because you can find all that stuff too. I think all the Quibi content got moved to Roku's scre- streaming service. <laughs> Yeah, I think oh. most of it has been shipped around. Which I don't know a single human who's seen a single minute of Quibi content. So I think doing an entire podcast, like watching everything Quibi had oh, to offer, let's watch the very the Golden me. Arm one that was made by like Sam Raimi's brother or something. I mean, they they got big That's name really stuff. Bad. They poured a lot of money into yeah. it. Uh, there was going to be an Ice Cream Man Quibi series, which is oh, like really? my favorite comic. I don't know what if anything became of that. But that was one of the things that got announced. You know what I would watch on Roku is that new um, Weird Al biopic starring Daniel Radcliffe. That looked really fun. Is that on Roku? <laughs> I didn't know that. I would rec- I think it was like Roku something. I didn't even know they had a service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, no, that, that's that what they're trying to amend. Yeah. By buying everything that Quibi had. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's speaking of taking yeah. everything that someone had. Let's talk. <laughs> okay. I'll turn unlimited. Avengers number nineteen to Avengers number twenty-two. Kurt Busiek, George Perez. Inks by Alvey, colors by Tom Smith. This is my favorite arc of the Busiak Perez Avengers. It is my favorite Ultron story. <laughs> Sorry, did you hear Charlotte's quiet oof? <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hearing what's happening, and I'm not happy about it. This is my favorite story. I respect we read. your opinion. Uh, no, it's, it's actually not. No, it's my favorite story we read today. It's my first story we read today, even though I had a really okay. fun time with Avengers Forever. That's interesting. Okay, I think this is great. <laughs> I loved it. No further questions, Your Honor. Let's move on to Marvel Knights. That's, I Black mean, Widow. There's, there's not going to be a lot that I have to say about this that I don't. That I didn't say about Avengers Forever. It, it's again. It's just I. I don't think PCX's writing grabs me, and I'm. I'm a little like. Like I said, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Like the amount of. Are we? Are we talking? Are we talking craft wise? Yeah. Just like, like the, the density. The, well, the of density. It? It's it's a little bit the density, but like Kevin Smith was dense. But I think he's like the actual prose that he was writing was more engaging to me. Yeah. Even if yeah. I don't think his ideas. I don't know. Like Kevin Smith's ideas were actually pretty good. I like Busiek's ideas, and I kind of like the stories he's telling. But yes, it's the craft of like the actual prose writing, which I think a lot of the writing is boring and very. It's like very seventies to me. Like, just the style. It's very, I grew up an Avengers fan in the 70s. Right. I don't disagree. Yeah, and it, it, like, it's not miserable, but it's just, there's so much of it, and I'm, like, I just start to, it's hard to, (laughs) it's literally hard for my eyes. Okay, I'm going to say this for you, and for everyone else out there who is not an old-timey dad, skip text. Well, I skip the narration. (laughs) I promise you. Like, for sure. Skip text. Okay? Look at pages Figure, like like develop he, a no, scheme no, no. to skip text I, I, and move around because that. it will drive you nuts otherwise. I do that and Busiak puts big plot points in his text that you cannot pick up on visually. You'll figure it out. You're a smart but, guy. No, but having, he has a like, lot of story having to skip the text. that much text in the first place is a storytelling problem. Like that's, No, I know. I know. It should be bone balanced. I agree. But that's I, I said this early in, I think, 1998. I was like, if we wanted to, every episode could become hey there's too much text to your conversation 
Like that is the era. Yeah, that is true. the era. Like we are in that era. We either have to bypass it and dislike it all, or we have to roll with that and figure out ways through it. And it, it in, is. In it's similar to have... sixty Silver Age stuff, where it's like you know, Stanley writes too much. There's captions that say the same thing as the dialogue. Figure out a scheme that works for you. I mean, you, Inhumans didn't you know? have too much. Black Panther didn't. Daredevil. I didn't say yeah. everything. I didn't say literally. Okay. Daredevil did. Okay. Daredevil absolutely did. Yeah. Um, it is. It is a common. Yeah. It, common, it's been a common thing, thing in comics this era. I don't even know this era. It's been a common thing just in comics. Period that we've read. I think. I th- feel like for some reason it elevates here because you have a, you have two things happening. You have the <clears throat> comics simultaneously elevating into the Marvel Knights sort of modernized formula, mm-hmm. right? So it feels like they should feel more like a comic that came out in 2010. But then you have a lot of structural things where they're like, "I'm going to give you your bang for your buck. Here's 10,000 words per 22 pages," right? Um, so you kind of have those, they, they haven't figured out decompression yet. Bendis isn't on the scene. Brubaker isn't on the scene. Not everyone, right? Paul Jenkins is great at it in Inhumans, right? There's certain comics that do it very well. Um, even Priest on Black Panther is yeah. like, you know, yeah, I agree half there, half not. Yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, I just think that conversation could come up every single episode. And I'm not saying it's not a valid critique. I know it is. I just think it's repetitive. Yeah, no, right? no, I, um, I agree. I mean, I get that. And well, <laughs> it actually reminds me of, uh. You told me the thing where Kevin Smith is like, I wanted to give people, you know, more bang for their buck, which means more words. Yeah, it, you feel like yeah. Busiek also swears by that same, uh, <laughs> that same maybe motto. Maybe yeah. Again, different eras. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sure. different eras. Like this stuff wasn't popping on Marvel, which is a little bit why I'm saying like less. Trades are barely a thing. Less that these comics are like I'm taking a uh, I'm taking less of a harsh stance on like I think these are not well done comics and more these are not for me. Like I get why people like these. I do, and I don't think that's like nuts because I don't. I don't think they're like <clears throat> super poorly constructed comics. I just think like the stuff that he that is weak to me, or stuff that particularly like bugs me. So it's like that, and it's the all the tell don't show. Black Widow, which we're about to read, which is not like a great comic, but there were a few scenes in that, especially coming off Avengers, where I was like, oh look at this! It's a page with no text that shows the story progressing like we get to see the beats of this story and we see right yelena is following natasha onto an airplane and she beats up a flight attendant and takes her outfit and now she's like tracking her on a plane and it's a page with no text and we just get to see that happen and i'm like that's great like that <laughs> that's nice to do that you don't have to always do that you know characters characters can speak to each other once in a while as a treat but uh <laughs> for the most part uh yeah i i just like he 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 doesn't have ways of expressing story that are often that are not punching and just talking um which which is a little bit of a, a downer to me but again i i do there. get like the appeal it's like the ultron stuff is fun like i had a decent time with these um i liked the the ultron like i even kind of like some of the ultron lore even though what's that guy's name vance justice Right, the guy, <laughs> Hang Vance Astrovic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Vance Astrovic, aka Justice. Yeah, when, let's, when let's back it up on the Ultron lore for a second here. What I want to celebrate about this, or what I, why I do celebrate it, there are great moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think there are really standout moments in this book, and that's what I gravitate towards, especially now. Like the end of the first issue, issue nineteen, Ultron destroys a country. And the Avengers are just in their mansion watching on TV. And the final page of that is them just stunned in silence. It's effective. That's a memorable moment. The moment of Thor barging (laughs) into... (laughs) The moment of Thor barging into... What is it? Slorania? Which they changed (laughs) to... Slorania. 
because <laughs> they, they changed it to Slakovia or or whatever in the MCU, right? They changed the country name. Um, it's made up to begin with. <laughs> uh, the moment with Thor barging in, Ultron, we would have words with the obviously an iconic George Perez. Oh no! Panel. See what There's I remember these... is uh, Thor quoting Martin Luther King Jr. to uh, rationalize not having black members on the team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, yeah. that's the Thor oh, that I remember. <laughs> Oh yeah, is that here? Yeah, there, oh, see, yeah. this is this is what I'm talking about about selective reading. <laughs> no, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but I just that that cued in my mind. But that that moment is rough. Where a reporter's like, you know, the Avengers are being challenged for a bunch of their choices, and one of the reporters is like, "So, can you, you know, justify not having black members in the past or even now?" And Thor's like, "We judge men not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character, and we couldn't find any good black heroes." <laughs> like the subtext yeah, it's there it's uh, it's, it's rough, something yeah. anyway yes no no i i, I no, i'm in agreement with no you argument there um that, that the rough. moment i i think the moments are good I, I feel the same way about avengers forever i feel like they're good kind of on the page but not actually literally on the page because literally on the page the construction of them somewhat undercuts like the emotional impact because i can see that really working for me like the destruction of a company and especially like Ultron zombification. You capitalistic. <laughs> the what? Sorry. You said it, destruction of a company instead of a country. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this day and age, what's the difference? Am I right? Corporate countries, baby. <laughs> yeah. Zing. And like the zombification of the entire country uh, is like, I think that is spooky and effective and upsetting. But like, I, I mean, especially in this Perez shows it all tinted through this, like it's all red tinted, like they're watching news reports and it's it's all held at this distance um, that yeah. does make it like not kind of an immediate impact to me. Uh, but like, I agree, like there's a bunch of stuff in this and Avengers world where I'm like, that's a really cool idea. I, I don't think like the way that it's done, like matters, right? Like you can have great ideas and then not execute them well. And, and I don't want to like, I think there's a thing here that, that Busiak hasn't mastered yet which is letting perez cook yeah like yeah. like just let him get in the kitchen mm-hmm. and cook with some of this stuff and it happens too rarely um but just and, and i'm talking about that like in terms of panel layout right like just in terms of like the density of needing like 15 panels on a page with tons of dialogue like you're working with george perez here like like let him do cool stuff Sh- again obviously as we say like Show it, <laughs> show what's happening, yeah, and and don't repeat it to us yes. as it's happening. Like you have an artist yeah. who's effective I mean, in us to convey this, you know. You mentioned the like the moment of the Avengers reacting to the destruction of the country, and it's like you have a, a great panel of the Avengers all shocked, like completely horrified, and like that would be a great way to end it. But you have like you have to have the caption box of. And they all went silent, and it was a long time before any of them said anything more. And I was like, you don't need that. That's completely <laughs> underlying moments. No, no. And like, then I yes. think it said, silence ru- ruled the day. There wasn't a sound to be yeah. heard. Uh, quiet like, across the Avengers. Shut up if there isn't a uh, <laughs> sound to be heard. <laughs> like, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Charlotte and I, I think, are aligned here although i i am like i I don't think this is it's not ruinous to the comic so like i still am like it's still enjoyable it's still engage engaging because those ideas are good and they're not executed like it's not a disaster they're just not executed quite up to snuff to like fully take advantage like yeah dave was saying with the art too can can i this is a a little (laughs) aside but uh dave you came into the slack and um oh no someone listened to the variant cover where you talked about that 
you got um your demon bear art signed by chris claremont uh yeah yeah i talked about that uh, last, and, last and, i don't know if you saw this response but thomas in our slack wrote listening to today's varying cover it's nice that dave got claremont to sign his demon bear so claremont conti- continue could continue his decades-long tradition of covering sinkovich's art up with text boom yeah. <laughs> That's pretty Sinkovich. good. <laughs> I said Sinkovich. That's weird. Um, yeah. Anyway, th- just speaking of uh, not letting the artist breathe, uh, I thought that yeah. that was very funny. There's a tradition. Yep. There's a tradition. Okay. Final yep. final thing for me. the The other reason this is the coolest Ultron story. Ultron wins. Like Ultron is devastating. Okay. And this is we're increasingly going to be in an era of mass casualty. You know, in the Marvel universe, especially on the Ultimate Universe side, post nine eleven, right? Um, and it can lose weight. I think it has weight here. I think it has gravity. The the idea of Ultron at his scariest is this is a machine who wants to exterminate humans. Mm-hmm. He does that to an entire country here. Um, and it has weight. It is treated with weight, um, even if it is a made-up... I mean, it'd be weirder if it wasn't. Yeah, I actually think, like, um, they really should have just committed and had it been, like, France. France, specifically. Yeah, no, definitely. France please. for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah please, Ultron, come. Kill us. <laughs> Please, I'll try. <laughs> um, we deserve it. Yeah, no, they, they couldn't really do that. But uh, yeah, no, I agree. did this come before? Okay, so it's, I mean, it sounds like we all agree this is really cool. Um, everybody should check uh-huh. it I think out. It's kind of cool. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, was irredeemable before or after? This is irredeemable. Way after this. Okay, irredeemable. Irredeemable. Way really later. Similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what though? Like, if you if you all are super out on this, I'd be very surprised if you like any of this era of Avengers. If I like what? If I like what? Yeah. Oh, did he cut out okay, the YouTube? It's, it's not just on my okay. end. Okay. <laughs> here. I thought I was the one who disconnected. If you like uh, dot dot dot. <laughs> the rest of the run, I'm guessing. But yeah. yeah, let's let's spend the time until Dave gets back. Yeah, Dave, please please come back for me to to thrash the comic. <laughs> uh, he's saying oh. if we liked, oh. yeah, it's probably the rest of the run. Maybe comics in general. Um, <laughs> maybe him. I'd be surprised if you like anything. If you don't like this, you're, you don't like me, is what he <laughs> was trying to say, personally. <laughs> I'm Kurt Busiek. I actually wrote this. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa. I, I mean, Dave, Dave Busing? Bu- Kurt Busiek? Busiek? <sighs> it was under our nose. It was the- <laughs> 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 uh, incredible. This is the rare moment where Dave is the one who cuts out and vanishes. Yeah. And and honestly, one. like, my... My internet has been good the the whole way through. Oh yeah, you well you just that's... moved. Do you have better internet where yeah. you are now? You think? Hello. I mean, apparently yeah. that's good. Good, good, good. Yeah, you sound yeah. fine. Maybe that's why you sounded louder is because your internet was stronger. <laughs> I mean, maybe and also like I just because I just moved, I had to replug everything, just reinstall my whole computer. So maybe some stuff got switched around. Got switched. Around. Charlotte, it kills me that you're like, yeah, maybe I was just jangling cords the whole time and never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Can y'all I hear just me now? maybe toggled a. He's back. Oh, hi, Dave. He's back. Sorry, hey, we carried on without this... you talking about uh, audio recording. Okay, Dave. <laughs> we both. I, heard... I said something really cool, and then there was just this incredibly dramatic. <laughs> okay, here's here's what <laughs> I happened. You said it saying, "If you yeah. don't like this, you." I'm curious if you like. And then I hung up on you. Yeah. yeah. So we just spent the rest of the time guessing. All right, please fill us in. We're, we're, we made bets. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, did anyone guess? The rest of the Busiak prison. Yeah, that was Trump. what Charlotte said. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, no, I just, I, like, if this is this is a very memorable arc, but, like, the style's not going to change significantly. I mean, it's not going to yeah. become 
a different looking or a different feeling book. Um, I, I do. It's a little I mean, the Silver Age thing is kind of reminiscent here because I do feel a little bit like it's just a tone and a style thing. And regardless of the content of the story, like, trust me, like if you go back to like Avengers number 18 and it's uh, the Avengers up against the wrecking crew and Polemicus with Archon, like you're not going to like that more. I promise. Mm -mm, Uh, So, yeah, I mean, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. It Here's where I'm landing on this. Like you telling us, you know, there's more Avengers coming. I can see in 2001 we're reading... More Ultron and Kang Avengers stories. <laughs> well, well, we gotta oh, we yeah. gotta go in on the Kang Dynasty. Yeah. Like that's gonna happen. It, I'm like totally fine with that. Like I'm not like more Avengers. Like I'm like yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm into it. Like it's just it's a uh, it, it is also it's a thing of expectations too. Where like I know people love this stuff, um, and I'm I'm like slightly bummed that it's not clicking with me. So it's not like cause... I should also I should also say like I'm I'm the Avengers defender here, right? I don't like this Avengers run nearly as much as the real Avengers heads. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when I think like this is this is a very vaunted celebrated run. People love this as a return to the Avengers being great. The Avengers stuff I tend to like the most feels the least like Avengers comics, if I'm being honest mm-hmm. with myself. Yeah. Um and uh this it feels exactly like Avengers comics. <laughs> that is that is the point, you know? Like the stuff I love is when the Avengers become like non-Avengery. New Avengers, the Bendis era, the Hickman Avengers, which is basically a Justice League riff. Uh, anyway, that's that's a broader conversation. Yeah, um, I think I think I just don't like Avengers. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I'm discovering here. It's fair. Yeah. And, okay, so I think there's two main things that impair my like my liking this comic. The first thing is like my expectations for Kurt Busiek as a creator, which were like sky high after Marvels, right? And like. Even Thunderbolts, I was like very high on. Like I was curious, and I, I I need to go back and read more Thunderbolts, which I haven't yet. Um, but like, if this is the best of his Avengers run, I'm just not into it at all. And I, I don't even think it's bad. It just isn't grabbing me at all, and feels like I feel the exact same reading this as I would feel the like the exact same Ultron family story in the seventies. Like. Um, it's fine. It's cool. If you like that stuff, great. I'm kind of bored. <laughs> which is which isn't like a good criticism. It's not even a criticism. It's just about my personal reaction to like the stories and the characters. It there's just like there's nothing more for me to grab onto and therefore like I just don't really have anything for it. Yeah, yeah. which is fair, yeah. right? Like and, and I mean especially All right, Zach, yeah. Zach, can you can you summarize the um the Ultron connections here? I'm going to run and go potty. Willie, uh, I think I can. Hopefully when I come back, <laughs> you both have summarized the Ultron connections. Be right back. Wait, the Ultron connections t- to the old Ultron comics? The family. Like, how? what's the Ultron family? I don't know. I don't remember that. What are you talking about? Did we read that? Okay, so <laughs> okay, Hank Pym created Ultron. Oh, oh, so oh, oh, Hank Pym like, is his dad? Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, please go on, though, because I, I don't remember it as well as you probably will. Okay. <laughs> but no, I was... So yeah. Ultron created... Uh, Hank Pym created Ultron, so Hank Pym is his dad. He also considers the Wasp to be kind of his mom because she was with Hank Pym, with Hank Pym at the time. Then Ultron created... Vision, who is kind of his son, he created two wives for himself, uh, Jocasta and Alchemia, I think. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, and then the Vision uh, started dating the Scarlet Witch, uh, so that's part of the family too. And on top of that, the Vision was created from the body of the original 30s Human Torch, uh, who's not there because he's dead. 
Um, but he also was created using the brainwaves of uh, former early Avengers, uh, Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man, yep. who also has a brother called the Grim Reaper, who is a like an Avengers villain who here was like escaped a uh, mental asylum or something or something and was abducted by Ultron and is also there and like helps the Avengers escape. I never knew the and guy had one the arm. Ultron family. Grim Reaper? That's Grim Reaper. Yeah, no, I never knew he only had one arm, uh, which kind of makes sense because he has a hook hand, but I thought he just had a hook hand. Yeah, wh- and- where did you think the, the arm went when he had the I thought he was just like, hands. it was in his sleeve holding on to the, the scythe. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Uh, I think I actually probably could have done that. Um, yeah. I, I think I knew all that stuff. I usually like... I mean, okay. I'm kind of in the pocket. Go, go into the, the Scott Summer Summoner tree then. No, I don't know any of that. Uh, he... <laughs> I'm pretty sure Cable is his son with Jean Grey. <laughs> That's, I mean, pretty sure he's is pretty sure his his son is the accurate description. description. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's the case. And then <sighs> Madeline Pryor. No, not Madeline Pryor. Uh, who's the uh, the other Phoenix? Um, the like younger. It's the Jean Grey from the day. Uh, Rachel. Rachel. Rachel Summers. Summers. She's involved somehow, right? Doesn't she have a kid who? I feel like there's something about that, right? Like, <laughs> Rachel Summers... I don't think Rachel ever had a kid. Child. Oh, maybe in another dimension, yeah. No, uh, definitely. Oh, yeah, with Franklin Summers, yeah. <laughs> with Franklin Richards, sorry. Is that something... That, are we spoiling something? Uh, I... Not, nothing that matters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, God, there's so much family history stuff here. Uh, yep. I'm looking at the top ten... Summers and Grey Kids ranked by power <laughs> on CBR.com. <laughs> yep, and that's not including the Summer siblings. Uh, wh- they keep doing so. There's sentences here that keep saying another possible daughter, <laughs> a yep. possible son of. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, that that's yeah. At least at least the Ultron family tree is all in one dimension. <laughs> oh, you can add the like the kids of. With the Vision and Scarlet Witch, with that, which are Billy and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's also. That oh also yeah, they're not there. here. Right, that'd be fun if he pulled yeah. them out of the whatever ether world they are living in now to uh, to join the yeah. family. Uh, okay, I have a question. Do you think there's a crossover between people who are into this and people who are into X Men? Because, like we were just saying, X Men also like yeah. it's weird because X Men is so built on all that like complicated lore and kind of being like in on the lore, and the, one of the joys of that is just being like very you know yeah like on the inside and like yeah unraveling that I, complicated knot so like i mean my instinct is to say that x-men law is more fun <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> which like i i mean it's I probably agree. not true yeah. and it's just no, like i, I agree better it. stories are tied to yeah. it and like it's comes from my enjoyment of like the clement run uh even though i don't think i enjoy it as much as most people at least not the x-men parts uh, I, I I like it, but I'm like I I'd say I'm probably halfway through between you and Dave yeah. on uh, on the Claremont run, which is to say pretty um, high because I still like the Claremont run. <laughs> like that, that's fair. Yeah. Like then I also like really really like uh new the new mutants. Yeah. Like that's yeah, probably my fam- my favorite Claremont. <laughs> yeah, probably me um, too. Yeah, yeah. I think there are more stories tied to and and characters honestly tied to X Men lore that I really really like than there are Avengers stories and characters. Yeah. Uh, and runs well you know um, the weird thing like, about i think overall x-men has a higher batting average than avengers <laughs> oh really you think that's part of it <laughs> I you think, said that yeah, like it was kind of a like un- no they absolutely do the avengers <laughs> avengers comics are the yep. mendoza line of baseball 
Which I don't necessarily expect either of you to know. But that is the Mendoza line in baseball is like the it's like the minimum it's like the floor right it's like the minimum acceptable batting average for a player to like still be just good enough to be in the majors kind of thing um that's kind of where avengers are a lot of the time we're just talking about like complicated x-men lore and you know if there's a a crossover and like people who love that and people love this but like something interesting about all the big avengers moments they're all like in events and not all but like a big chunk of them are in the huge bombastic events and then the day-to-day comics are pretty forgettable i think whereas x-men all that lore is just baked into like every issue every issue is like rolling that stone forward um yeah but, like, the, most yeah. of the stuff that Busey, i guess referencing here is like oh it's the Kree squirrel war it's the celestial madonna saga it's uh whatever event ultron like took over in in the past and then well they're an event-sized book yeah. you know i mean yeah. the the formation of the avengers avengers number one is an event in and of itself yeah. it's all the heroes coming together to stop loki right so i mean that's kind of kind of big all right well get ready to spend just as much time talking about black widow as an, an incredible hulk <laughs> as we did yep these other comics. so black widow number one to number three yeah you it's just added this one in, which i thought marvel knights mini kind of interesting. it's the I, I wanted to do more marvel knights and frankly this one is um it's good enough, yeah. and also there's a, there's a little bit of the MCU connection. This is the debut. Oh yeah, of, it's very MCU relevance. Yeah, it's the debut of Yelena Belova, um, second black woman. <laughs> um, this well, is written by Devin Grayson. Uh, she, it, I know. Her first appearance know. was in Humans number five in 1999. Was it? Because yeah. we we read that first. No, but she, doesn't she come here she's first? She's in that. There's another Black Widow, and I think she even says something like, "Yeah, I know." But did that issue actually come first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. Okay. Yes. I believe so. Uh, written by Devin Grayson. We got pencils and inks here by J.G. Jones. It's a nice looking, good three issues. Um, it's it's light on its feet. Mm-hmm. Black Widow versus Black Widow spy stuff. It goes fast. The pacing is great. I think everything that we just talked about structurally having issues with with Busiak, Grayson's actually like pretty on top of <laughs> in yeah. 1999. Like she, she definitely has the confidence to let J.G. Jones cook. And J.G. Jones to, is great. To let, like, uh- very Brian Jones is awesome ish like not quite as yeah. epic and cinematic but like close so yeah um this is kind of an underrated i think marvel knights thing like it's not as good as inhumans certainly um but it's like it belongs in a space in a conversation with guardian devil and and black panther whether you think it's quite as good or not um i think this era to me is a little too obsessed with black widow being horny for daredevil but there's a long history of that uh that goes both ways. I'd so, say it's the I other way around this. here in this comic. Yeah, Daredevil sure. being horny for her. Daredevil's like a real creep here, and it's not the kind of creep I like him <laughs> to be. Uh, yeah. I kind of like Matt thinking he's being very nice and like heroic. Like I, I like Matt not like having any inclination that he's being a jerk, right? And then like that rug being pulled out from under him because it's just yeah, like oh great. yeah everything you're doing is actually very selfish and you're really a very selfish and uh like self-absorbed man underneath everything <clears throat> but you Which don't is a good a good catholic revelation as well yeah right? like you don't present that way but like <laughs> when he yeah. stops to think about it you know everything he can he does can be framed in this like incredibly self-serving way this is matt just being like so the couch or the carpet like when he walks in the door like you want you uh-huh. want to do it up on the roof or on the couch like he's just a sleaze in this uh yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that. Be- I'm just gonna go on record as saying roof sack sounds very uncomfortable. Yeah, a lot of gravel. New York City. Those those roofs are covered in gravel. 
I've been on many New York City roofs. <laughs> no, um, I know. That's why. I, that's why I suggested it. Because I'm like, I know Zach has done made this love a on many a roof. East Coast lover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So th- these are. I, I think these are a little slight feeling, but then that also adds to the feeling that they just go down real easy. They look good. The story's kind of fun. Like it's stopping a biovirus that has a kind of weird effect on things. Uh. Yeah, and Yelena comes in, and it's like Black Widow versus Black Widow. I, it's it's strange as a Marvel Knights comic because it feels like it was. I don't I don't actually know this, but it feels like it was a mini series, like intentionally. Like you don't get the feeling this is building a Black Widow series, which is a bit of a bummer, yeah. right? Like giving the free mm-hmm. reign to be like, yeah, you're gonna get a Black Widow ongoing, and then starting like a real series that like gets to build her world out yeah. would be more interesting than this, which definitely has the feeling of like, yeah, this will be over soon. Like this will be a one and done. But. I also kind of like that about it. Like, it's it's a tight story that yeah. works yeah. very well as three issues, and I don't... Like, I'd be interested in, in a Black Widow ongoing, but I think it's very refreshing that it's just three issues. We're, we're telling a tight stories about these two characters in a spy plot. And like, that's perfect to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't need to be more. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's hard for me to be high on Marvel spy stories, usually. Like, that's re- really not a part of that universe that I'm very inter- interested in usually uh outside of like when it does some interesting formal stuff like Jim Serenko. um but here like it's it's a like very fun tight story uh, i think Yelena Belova is immediately like fun in her relationship with Natasha in like and reflecting making Natasha an interesting character to me like in seeing a kind of equivalent to a younger version of herself that hasn't met the avengers yet or have hasn't questions question her motives in her camp yet mm-hmm. yeah um that's that like yeah that's fun fun show story i think to me better than uh both the avengers stories we, we read <laughs> okay I, um, I i'm not sorry, going Dave. that far just for the record uh i would not put these above the avengers but uh really yeah i mean they're they're easier they're breezier but i wouldn't say better like if i it was... definitely goes down smoother oh yeah i mean no yeah. argument yeah. there um these are and that's you know the marvel knights imprint like that is that's what they get really good at really fast. Oh, I don't know. Like neither, comics that go down smooth. Neither in humans nor Black Panther nor Daredevil is particularly like the lightest, smoothest read. Like they're they're not slogs to get through, but like there's a lot of text I think and they, they demand some time. I think in humans in particular and Black Panther at times, like there's just a, a pacing and an understanding they're really well paced, yes. Of sort of sleek, modernized let's let the art breathe a little that I do think there's some editorial yeah. understanding yeah yeah of okay. like we can hey we can tell stories this way now um that really works right that is less about well here's how comics were told so let's keep doing that mm-hmm. and i think that's important uh in terms of yelena belova you know just in terms of this character like a bit different than the mcu um you know she's like charlotte was saying there like she is a black widow she was trained at the red room you know kind of the same training as natasha but they aren't like sisters they aren't connected at least in this point in time um aside from their black widow training you know so that's that's good and interesting. I think creating the Black Widow is, you know, kind of a legacy title and expanding on that and actually having named characters who come out of it that then Natasha is interacting with is a is a cool, nice addition to the Marvel Universe, you know? It's going to take yeah. them a while yeah. to kind of build on that successfully. Um, but these three issues, you know, that's, you know, they're not they're not heavy. There's not a ton necessarily to dig into. I don't know if it was, yeah, if it was always going to be three issues or what. Uh, but I like the work, the work that Devin Grayson and J.D. Jones well, she gets do to, on this. Devin it's, Grayson it's gets to do out. another one of these next year. She does another three issues, like a second mini. 
Ooh. Is it Grayson again, or yeah. is that the Greg Rucka? No, it's Grayson. Stuff? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. She doesn't yeah, have so a huge like a weird sequence career. of three issue minis. She's basically brought. It seems like she's just brought in when they were like, "Well, we need to have a woman write a comic. Like we're writing, we're doing girl power. So let's like find everyone we, every woman we ever just gave a small job to, which is frustrating to see like women artists. Does, does any male writer has wives that can write? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it's, it's a little. I don't think they're they're not even really there yet. You know, in terms of yeah getting even just getting women to represent <laughs> women-led stories because Greg Rucka is going to take over the, the Black Widow front uh, Electra for a while you know he's kind of I actually had a co-worker alias a co-worker the other day talked to me about Greg Rucka and I was like yeah I don't think I've read much of his and he was like well he's really good at writing women <laughs> and I was like oh yeah okay uh, I guess that's and he's like yeah he, that is definitely that is definitely a big part of his reputation yeah I mean, he's, he's like got, the guy who writes if you think about the books that are the most well known of his it's Lazarus it's Wonder Woman oh I did read Lazarus um, Lazarus is I read the first trade of that uh just quite good yeah yeah I think that's no it. he's he's um, he's made a career of it yeah. um I mean it's not his fault like I don't I don't no shade on Greg Rucka he might be excellent at writing female characters it's just you know <laughs> it's a bummer that they're like what's the best man we can find to write a woman uh yeah sure just we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly um there's a i only have one big complaint about this black widow mini which is at one point black widow is escaping from this military base and she gets in a helicopter and, <laughs> and as she flies away and listen i'm no helicopter pilot but she presses the autopilot button and <laughs> i don't think that's a real thing so uh it immediately loses a full letter grade from me because that moment. So pretty unrealistic. Anyway, then she this has been the vi- hella thoughts on helicopters Jeez. with Zach. A new segment <laughs> we're going to be rolling out every episode. Zach is going to share some thoughts on how helicopters work as he imagines. And then she unleashes. I'm looking the, forward uh, to it. I hope you are too. The La Frenzia Motel, uh, which does you know. Uh, which is a really cool virus that causes people to go crazy and then turn into desiccated skeletons. So that part rules. So it goes up one letter grade for me because of that. That actually does sound Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. sick. So, Speaking of pretty sick, yeah. let's talk about Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I, I want your full thoughts on this before I talk. <laughs> okay, sure. So so Incredible these three issues of Incredible Hulk are the final three issues of Incredible Hulk before it relaunches with the new number one. Okay. These are written by the known and identified intermediary team of Joe Casey and Javier Polito. We've already read a little bit by them. I wait. What, what have we read by ish- them? Because the name sounded familiar, especially Polito, but I couldn't place what we, we, we read. An Incredible Hulk last last year. Oh, that's why. Okay. we did four sixty six to four sixty eight. <laughs> the death of Betty Ross. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. So this is follow up on that. Um, what I had forgotten is that the death of Betty Ross does end with the tease that it was Abomination who did it, mm-hmm. that it was Emil Blonsky who poisoned her. Yeah. So I included these to clarify who killed Betty, but I had kind of forgotten that we already knew. <laughs> <laughs> so the the like continuity point of including these is is maybe null and void. Um, they're weird, wild comics. I like Javier Polito's style. It has gotten, I think, a lot better as the years have progressed, but you can kind of see it in its nascent form here. Joe Casey can do some big, wacky, wild stories. I am often fairly interested in stuff he's doing, even if I don't love it. And uh, in Abomination quotes, like, he's a Shakespearean god here, and he it's fights General Thunderbolt weird. Ross shooting two pistols at yeah, him. It's weird poetry. and wild and yeah. honestly kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't... I don't. All the, all the cosmic 
Hulk and Watcher stuff is pretty bonkers. <laughs> it, okay, I just, uh, just, what it, just to but point you two out, both enjoy this. What, what do you mean? Like when you say the Hulk and Watcher stuff, it means that a alien named Qnax, which is a very cute name, and it reminds me of Bug Snacks, which is a very cute name for a video game. Um, Qnax comes to Bruce Banner to have him help him save his planet, which is a planet of like absolute peace. That's being driven mad because a recently widowed Watcher has taken up mm-hmm. residence, like in the emotional field of this planet. Like I, I think he's off planet on his little Watcher world, but it's close right. enough to this other guy's planet that it's causing everyone to feel like the psychic damage of this man's sadness over grief over his wife, and so the whole planet is like losing their minds, and then they try to they want to wage war on this Watcher. And Qnax is like having Hulk stop it, like trying to, I don't know, con- <laughs> you know, if you if you need someone to convince an intellectual to do what you want, who do you get? You get Hulk, right? That's the <laughs> the clear option. Um, well, because you can, if they're intellectual, that means they're a nerd, and you can beat up a nerd. Get a Hulk. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, Hulk should just give him a wedgie. Um, <laughs> yeah that actually sounds pretty good anyway so that's kind of what happens here and then it leads like both hulk and Qnex on like a journey of the mind and to like self-reflect on their you know their selves and their histories and a lot of that's through uh palato's like palato is just really it's like a very scratchy and sparse style here it's like a little reminds me of like cartoon network from the same era a bit like um maybe like Sam- samurai, samurai jack. jack yeah is what i was thinking um Although Samurai Jack didn't use outlines, but it still kind of feels similar. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. The colors are great, which uh, that's Marie Javins. And uh, I, I think... Editor-in-chief of DC Comics. Yeah, I was going to say that name sounded familiar. I, I think what I liked about this is, one, like, I think it's actually pretty well-paced. Everything here is very interesting to me. Like, I think the what he's building, like, the tone of everything grabbed me. Like, the weird abomination just destroying an Arizona town and then quoting... Um, like philosophers and poetry to uh, to Ross as Ross shoots him in the eye, and then um, it it's it's kind of like what I was thinking with Busek and Avengers, where I'm like, I, I think you have really good ideas. I wish you were building your own thing more than just like pulling in the past. And this felt like it hit that balance more of like this is all building off of old stuff while at the same time like creating something new, like and moving forward. So like this this was balanced really well for that of like. I like the Hulk lore. Like, I'm kind of on board with Hulk lore, and this is referencing all that while at the same time, yeah, creating something weird and new and all those big cosmic panels of, like, Hulk zapping through his own uh, psyche and history, reckoning with Betty Ross's death, uh, who Abomination owns up to immediately, uh, that death. and uh, Oh, he brags about. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. to Ross. Uh, good. I really liked it. Like, this was... And I, I understand. the th- This is... I want to just say this is just me. I'm not saying they are better. This is just me. But I did like these the best out of any of these comics. This was the most like fun I had. Uh, sure. This batch. I think they're pretty fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think they're strange, but they are they can be fun. Yeah. Charlotte, what was your read on this? Yeah, I, I definitely like Black Widow better. I think those are, for me, the same level, maybe a bit higher than Avengers. I, question for you, Dave. Did the artist for this also do the like kind of cosmic issues of Immortal Hulk? Because that reminded me a lot of that with the whole cosmic stuff. And I really, really like what he does here with, like, his cosmic kind of space planets with weird dimension stuff. I think it looks really, really good in a way that, like, few artists come close to Ditko when it comes to doing weird dimensions and cosmic stuff. And 
I think he does some really, really good stuff, and the, the colors help a lot here too. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think Polito's on. He might do some Immortal Hulk stuff. He doesn't do like the most cosmic, like Immortal Hulk number twenty-five. Yeah, I just that's looked what it I up. The penciler on that stuff is Jermaine Garcia. Um, okay. Polito's on. I mean, the most one of the most popular runs right now on Marvel Limited is She-Hulk by Charles Soule and Javier Polito. Um, okay. The Marvel Now era She-Hulk run where they really lean into her being a lawyer. So if you want to see Polito stuff kind of as it's progressed, that's a great run to check out. Okay. I think I've seen some of that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. He, he hasn't done that much. Like, I'm looking on uh, Marvel fandom, and he's only penciled 43 issues for Marvel, period. So it's a little bit Ooh. of a bummer. But, you know, maybe. You know what I think he might do? I he think might he might do some stuff in Immortal Hulk number three, I'm going to guess. I'm going to look that up right now. Ooh, yeah, that would make sense. Mm, yeah. He doesn't, if I'm uh, right, I get a big no prize. Uh, I don't think that's true. I'm looking at. Dang it. I'm thinking of Leonardo Romero. Oh, you fool. Ah, fool. Turn in one of your no prizes. Ugh, I gotta give it back. It's such a pain to mail too, because you don't even know where they come. <laughs> yeah, just mailing it back and forth. Um, so yeah, fun. I, uh, I I dig this Hulk, especially like starting at the Peter David run and reading forward, uh, is one of the like things that I've I've been wanting to do. It's like on my back burner of when I when I hunger for Marvel comics uh, outside of the club, which is probably gonna be a while. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very uh, kind of big on Hulk now. It's uh, it's interesting. I wouldn't have expected that, but I guess it was I mean, you know what you should stuff. you know what would be great if you would do Zach is read John is Burns read run the, right after this read oh, the relaunch please yeah number <laughs> I saw us. that I was like who does uh, Hulk after this you know what it, I mean listen if you can find it in your heart to read that run and share with us on the variant we're not going to yeah, cover it so I, I will I'll I'll, I'll try to that. make time for that the thing is it lasts for six issues I'll so, cover it uh, <laughs> like he doesn't go for very long I don't think it was a very successful run um, good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's fine. I don't care. Uh, don't apologize. Yeah, it runs for seven issues, and then Eric Larson takes over. So nice. Uh, and then, oh no, then it loses its writer because it's like different writers every uh, every issue. Eventually, it gets nice. into a Bruce Jones writing era that it's going to sit in for a minute, hmm. um, okay. which is kind of interesting. We might have to. Oh, we have to read. We're going to be reading. That guy's got the name for Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to be reading some of the Paul Jenkins stuff, uh, 12 and 13, next year, because uh, it was added by a Patreon backer. Oh, okay. Why cool. couldn't you have added the John Byrne stuff, Eric? Oh, no, it wasn't Eric. Never mind. <laughs> well, anyway, Eric, <laughs> no, you no, probably were single, responsible. Uh, Eric still didn't do it, so yeah. you can't single him yeah. out. I would like he Eric to explain this to Zach gender. in the Slack, but, you know, yep. don't hold back. <laughs> don't hold back on why you did not include yeah. <laughs> John Byrne. Okay. All right, we did it. 1999, part dos. On part three, we're going to do two X-Men crossovers, The Hunt for Xavier and The Magneto War, two crossover Ooh. titles that both sound cooler than they are. <laughs> cool. cool. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. No, we'll see. We'll see what we think. I mean, I, I've um, been, and then part I've four been is hotter be on X-Men. X-Men events that I think you've been cooler on, so like maybe this will be one of those. You're, you kind of think it's just okay, and I like it. So I don't think you've ever been... Well, frankly, I liked I Onslaught better than, than you, than I think. Period. You did like Onslaught better than yeah. me. You like Onslaught better than anyone. <laughs> just, I just think it's neat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Good job. Yeah. Good job, thanks. everybody. Thank you, yeah, Dave. Good um, you can find Wish Sports Show over at patreon.com slash this year. You can find all the issues that we're reading in the show notes. Or, of course, you can um, back us at Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Get access to the full spreadsheet as it's updated. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Carol. You can find support, uh, social for My Marvelous Year at My Marvelous Year on Twitter and Instagram. And music for the show is by 
disaster piece. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You did great listening as well. We'll see you next year. <laughs> see you next year. See you next year. Uh, this is Zach afterwards. I never get... I don't get any request more often than to leave more Dave singing in the episodes. And when he cut out earlier, he did just spend the entire time singing to himself. So I'm cutting that back in here if you want to listen. Bye. Dreaming when I wrote this book in me the girls astray do, 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 do. When I woke up this morning Through the swan it was judgment day Sky was all purple and there were people running everywhere Trying to run from destruction You know I didn't even care